Welcome back to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here at capesandtights.com. Once again, I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. Today, we have DC Hopkins, comic book letterer extraordinaire of many different publishers and things. He's worked on Noctera, Eve, We Don't Kill Spiders, Dra- a Dream Master, Count Dracula, sorry, Count, Dra- Count Draco, Knuckle Duster, True Cult, Justice League Infinity, Pennyworth, Night of the Ghoul, Titans Burning Rage, Star Wars Adventures Return to Vader Castle, Ghost in LA, Adventure Time, Spawn, The Scorched, King Spawn, all that stuff comic book letterer extraordinaire right here, DC Hopkins on the Capes and Tights podcast. But before we get started, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, capesandtights.com for all kinds of reviews, opinions, articles, and more. And subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, and all your major podcasting platforms. This is DC Hopkins right here on the Capes and Tights podcast. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, DC. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. It is cold. I'll tell you that much. I live in uh, in Maine, so I don't know where you're located, but it's cold here. I'm in Indiana. My sister actually lives in Maine, and uh, I went there a couple years ago for her wedding, and new level of cold. I hadn't experienced <laughs> it. <laughs> well, it's funny because like normally I have my office is not fully really good, well heated, and well, it's actually gone down in temperature. Um, I have a little space heater going, and it's now at 69 in here, which is not bad, but like when it was 57, mm-hmm. it's it's getting there. So, but yeah, we're here to talk comic books, not the, the temperature in my office here. <laughs> All good. Uh, so I like to start off a little bit with like getting to know DC, like your origin story in both like collecting and reading potentially comic books and, and maybe segueing that into how you became a letterer in the industry okay yeah sure um been into comics my whole life um my my mom was very what's the word i'm looking for here maybe ambitious with teaching us stuff at home my sisters and i when we were kids um so she started teaching me to read early i was reading um you know the like c-spot run little golden book type stuff um, she claims when I was like two, reading like a few, you know, little words or stuff. So that continued to go. She kept teaching me how to read. And then it eventually got to a point where it was like a, a sort of a, a barter reward system or whatever. So each little golden book, whatever thing I read, um, I'd get a comic when I go to the comic book shop. Uh, and smart move on my parents' part. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing now with my son of just like really showing him how cool reading is and really showing him like, there's there's once you learn how to read so much stuff opens up it's not like you can just read books now like it's there's so many ways you can go and instead of i think not differentiating comics as not books or whatever like for them it was like he's reading and it kind of fed into itself because then i'd get the comics and i push myself to read and i'd want to learn how to read more so i could under you know so uh that was where it kind of started i mean i was i was born in 89 so i'm a more or less a 90s kid and um i don't know how old, how old are you i was born in 86 so yeah not that far away from you same time so yeah. you, as you know, growing up um if you were into comics if you're into superheroes uh pretty slim pickings compared to yes. um so i mean i was into the spider-man tv show the batman animated series um rare i mean obviously batman 89 came out uh so i watched that when i was a kid but for a long time it was a pretty solitary thing i didn't have um none of my friends read comics or really cared about it um i actually grew up in south america so when i was 
about nine years old, my parents uh, moved us all to Brazil and lived there until I was about 15, 16. And so for in Brazil, it was a, a totally different sort of challenge with comics. They had, um, there's a publisher now that more people are familiar with called Panini Press, mm -hmm. which back then was like, I, I, maybe they still are, but they were the distributor for comics in Brazil. So to this day, there are a lot of like arcs of Marvel stories that I've only ever read in Portuguese. I haven't gone back and ever read in English <laughs> and they would sell them in like, almost like magazines. So it would be um, like they would have an ultimate at the time, the ultimate universe was big and I was ultimate Spider-Man, maybe still my favorite superhero comic of all time. Um, and so I had a subscription for a little bit and then I was reading, picked it up in Portuguese. And so they would have like an ultimate line magazine and it would have an issue of ultimate X-Men, ultimate Spider-Man, the ultimates, whatever. Um, so my dad and I would go, they didn't have comic book shops. Um, it was basically newsstands. So my dad and I would kind of scour the newsstands, make friends with the guys at the different ones. And they'd set stuff up, you know, basically creating yeah. a pull pile of sorts. Um, so it was kind of a weird time up until uh, I was still always into them, still always reading. Um, as I got older, certain things started to open up and branch to other things. Uh, we moved back to the, the States permanently. And in that first year before we moved to Gas City, Indiana, which is a very small town, that's where I went to high school. Um, there was a, a giant library near us in Elkhart, Indiana. It had three, four stories, something like that. And I had, it was a, a period before we moved where we were just kind of, my dad was looking for a job. We didn't know where we were going to move in the States yet. So that library was my best friend. I mean, I was <laughs> there, I could checking out. And because I had so much time, I didn't have, you know, any social stuff going on at this point. Um, I was just checking out anything and everything I could. So that was where a lot of, my taste started to kind of diversify and started to, I started to get more of a concept of comics as a medium, as opposed to comics as Marvel DC, which yeah. was kind of my, my thing before. And it really still ultimately was no pun intended Marvel that put me there because I remember one of the first books I picked up was Craig Thompson's blankets. And it was a, a graphic novel that I never would have picked up at that age, never would have cared about, but there's a blurb by Bendis on it, which yes. is still crazy to me. Um, but for me, it was a, oh, I know I like him. I love Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm going to get this because he liked this book. And so I just kind of started doing that. So that year exploded. So then I discovered Harvey Pekar, um, Watchmen I read for the first time, Bone, like all these big, massive, you know, amazing pieces of of, of art within the industry that I had never really discovered. Um, and from that point on, I mean, I became more, definitely more passionate about reading comics, definitely more interested didn't have any desire to work in them. Um, I wanted to make movies. So that was my big thing in high school was making short films. And yeah. I ultimately went to uh, Ball State University, which is really known more than anything for being David Letterman school. Um, <laughs> and I went to all my classes were in the David Letterman building and they had a, a good media program. And um, about halfway through college, I realized, okay, I, I like doing this, but I don't love it enough to move to LA, which is kind of what everybody needed seemed to need to do at the time. Uh, and around that time, I was uh, doing a, a webcomic with a friend of mine, Austin Wilson, who's a comic book writer. And we were just doing it for fun. We had found a, a we did a podcast at the time. We found a, a a guy named Brent Hibbard. We've become good friends with lives out um, West. And he was willing to do the art for free. We needed a letter. No, none of us knew how to letter. I bought the comic craft book and was like, I'll give it a shot. So it kind of started then I, I didn't at that point have any sort of aspirations or 
I didn't even necessarily view it as a hobby that it was potentially going to be. It was literally just, we needed somebody to letter it. Um, pretty quickly though, I started to realize I had much more of a connection to it than I realized. Um, not specific. It wasn't like some magical, you know, Mary Poppins thing where the typography flew off the page or anything like that, but it was, it was more just a design overall design mm -hmm. started to realize, okay, I have an affinity for graphic design. i started to kind of piece together things I was noticing and a taste I was developing. And that kind of, I finished college, but that kind of pulled me out of that track where I was like, all right, I'll finish them halfway through, but I think I might want to try to learn how to letter comics and, and do more of that. Um, sorry, this is a very long answer. I'm such You're a talker. Good. <laughs> so I'll try to speed it up. Um, <laughs> that's basically the the start of kind of the big shift. I mean, the the books at the time that really were starting to catch my eye in terms of lettering were a lot of Clem Robbins books. So mm -hmm. specifically Hellboy, um, mm -hmm. those kind of started off the look early on, but uh, Clem has done so much of it since then in that entire universe. Hellboy's always been um, like my main, my man, I've got a Hellboy tattoo. Like I'm, I'm big favorite character. So all of that stuff, like the attention to quality that, especially at the time Mignola had over BPRD and Hellboy and all that stuff, and then having Clem's lettering be so consistent, consistent across the books, yet seem still kind of varied. I don't know. Mm -hmm. he, it's him and Workman, John Workman, are two of the letters that they do stuff sometimes where I'm just like, I don't know that anybody else could have done that and it look not look stupid. Like you mm -hmm. guys are able to, how they're able to do stuff that works. Um, so yeah, I I kept going with the web comic. Um, here and there started hearing, oh, we need a letter for this thing. Would you do it? And I mean, I'm working for free at this point and I, I have no training. I have no experience. Um, that led to essentially like an internship um, at uh, Blue Water, which is a pretty infamous company, I would say. Um, I had I had a fine experience there. Um, I know I'm probably in the minority from what I've heard. <laughs> Most people have horror stories about working there. Uh, for me, it was always... I went into it kind of with my eyes open with everything, which was like, I, as a letter at the time, I mean, I was sometimes just trying to find comic book pages online uh, that weren't lettered, just art, mm -hmm. and then letter over them to have something, you know, to work on, to practice. I need that stuff coming in in order to be able to do my piece. Uh, so Blue Water, basically, they were straight up. They were like, we can't pay you, but if you want to do like an internship type thing, we can give you stuff to letter. Um, so I kind of viewed that in retrospect as like, part of my a big chunk of my 10,000 hours if you want to follow that whole maxim mm -hmm. right so a lot of really shitty blue water comics that I, uh, lettering that I <laughs> that are out there with my name <laughs> that learning I mean I a lot of them have lately on my Facebook like memories whatever feed and stuff I posted back then that I was all proud of that's genuinely awful terrible lettering um but it was it was a big deal for me at the time because I always had stuff coming in I always had something yeah. to work on um, and I was, I was learning. And so, yeah, from there it, it over, it took years, but I mean, it eventually got to a point where it was like, okay, cool. I'm making some money here. This is a nice, like, um, kind of side gig. I can be spending, you know, I had a, a pretty good day job that I'd had that entire time. And then it got to a point where I was like, I have, I have two full-time jobs basically. Like mm -hmm. I, I work from home at the day job, which was a big corporate thing. I was an operations manager for um, a remote call center for Apple care. Mm -hmm. So a lot of really boring corporate tech shit that I do, but I had just no, no passion for it. Anything with spreadsheets. Like I, yeah. I could do 
it done. But um, so toward the end there, they had no idea, but I would be on business calls with Apple and stuff and, and be lettering comics for Lion Forge or whoever. That, that, that point I was, you know, working pushers. So yeah. um, it wasn't too long after that. I had gotten hooked up with Darren Bennett at Anroll Design. It's a great lettering studio. And I've been with, with him and with them for about be 10 years this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the one who finally was kind of like, why, why are you still doing a day job? What are you, you know, what are you doing over there? And I was like, I don't know if I can just quit it. Like I've, you know, we've got good insurance. At that point I had a, how old was Daniel? Probably two or three years old. Um, So it's just very scary. And we were kind of talking about it, weren't sure. And then the very first New York Comic Con I ever went to, um, my my ex-wife went with me at the time. And Darren, uh, we had pizza in Times Square. I'll, I'll always remember this. And Darren was like, okay, what are you guys worried about? I'm here to answer the questions I'm here to. And he was very, very helpful and instrumental in helping me kind of make that, that next step and helping with stuff like taxes and, you know, all the stuff that freelance life is different and annoying and completely opaque if you're coming into it without any help, which a lot of people are. And the main reason I bring that up too, is because it's something I've tried to replicate as much as I possibly can, because until I'm hooked up with Darren, there was no, I was completely by myself. There was, mm-hmm. there's literally nothing. And there would be times where I would get brave enough to ask someone a question, you know, a professional letter or whoever else. And there were a couple of times where they, you know, were nice and gave me information. And then there was one, I won't name them, but there was one person who they were looking for lettering or something. And I messaged them privately and was like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm just looking for stuff to work on. I'll do it for free. I'm not even looking for pay. Um, and they saw my message and then they went and like sub posted about me. Like, I can't believe I've got people messaging me trying to get my lettering. It was just weird stuff where I was like, that's not what I meant. So from that point on, I didn't, I was just like, maybe this is unprofessional to talk to or ask or whatever. So um, if you're out there and you have questions about lettering, I will always answer them. was <laughs> 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 huge. There's, and that, view I had of the industry isn't totally accurate. You know, it's like anything else. There's going to be people that aren't as friendly, whatever. Um, but there's tons of good people in there. And the moment you can start asking questions and, and get connected with other people working in the industry, stuff gets so much easier because um, suddenly you're not alone. Even mm-hmm. though you're alone where you're at, you've got other people and resources you can go to. All right, man. Sorry. That was like a 40 minute answer. Uh, Dude, it's perfect. It's great. I mean, it, it, you, I've got people on here before who don't want to talk. So it's great that you want to talk. <laughs> it's, it's funny that someone would, it would, would agree to do a podcast and then not know what to say or want to say anything with yes and no answers and things like that. It was, it's, it was great. The, the funny thing is you answered a lot of questions I was going to ask you anyway. Uh, so like, I, going back to talking about golden books and things like that, my son is going to be two in May. And he just sits in the corner and just freaking opens those golden books up and reads like not reads, but like says, say, uh, sounds out of his mouth where he's just like, (laughs) you you think he's knowing what he's doing there. He's reading, he's looking through, puts it down, grabs the next book. So having reading at a young, I cannot wait for him to actually be able to read and actually read things. And and, and he, he hits us in the face of books and says, you need to read this to me, dad, because he wants to be in, 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 
ingrained in books. So that's awesome hearing that because I, I can't wait for my son to become a letterer. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait for him to actually read books. But uh, it's funny how you mentioned the blank pages trying to find because I was talking to my wife about lettering and she because obviously someone who's not really into comics. I was like, how do you like if you're a writer, you can write a story. You can start tomorrow, write a story. If you want to be an artist and you can at least draw something, you can just draw, you know, either redraw someone's story or adapt someone's story or whatever. But lettering is one of those things that I'm always like, how how would you practice and say, here's my ability to letter if yeah. things are already lettered? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I just thought to myself, I'm like, I could, I'm a graphic designer. It'd be kind of cool to, 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 to learn the craft of lettering comic books. But I'm like, but how do you like you do? You, now I guess I have I have enough contacts now. But like, can you send me a book without any a PDF of no words in there? The, the, remove the lettering layer and let me yeah. letter a book and see what I can do. But it's just totally. like, it seems like it'd be hard to get started for anybody who wants to be a letterer. So so great, yeah, great point. And there's there's three main things that I I always usually tell people. Um, the first one is what you describe. If you can get there was a page that got me a lot of jobs early on um, from Matt Braction and David Aja's Hawkeye run, which mm -hmm. I obviously didn't letter. Uh, <laughs> I was, I just wanted something to work on and I had learned different new things and I needed something more specific than the blue water stuff. I was getting a lot of the blue water stuff I was lettering early on was like a lot of their, uh, what do they call them? Like their biography books. Like yeah. I lettered a book about Kart Kim Kardashian or like random <laughs> Ever, yeah so it's a lot of captions you know those books were almost entirely captions so you don't really get to try sound effects or dealing with mm -hmm. dialogue so i found a page from their hawkeye run that was clean it was a preview page that's usually your best bet is to go to like cbr and yeah um and i just kind of wrote as i went so i didn't know what the original um script said so i made it very clear when i posted it like look i wrote this this is originally by these people i just wanted something to letter um, and I got a lot of jobs uh, off of it over a long time. And I think partially because it being in my portfolio, mm -hmm. um, I think partially because Clem Robbins told me one time that for him, if the better the art is, uh, the better and it makes his lettering look. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, a lot of times if you're dealing with, you know, like Noctera, I work on that book, Tony Daniel, amazing artist. A lot of what I'm doing on that book is staying out of their way and making it cohesive and yeah. um, it's my stuff look better because it's it's such a polished book. Uh, the Hawkeye page helped in that regard too because Aja is one of my favorite artists, but it, it was such a good looking book. Um, and it gave the entire thing, I think, a more professional shine right away than I was getting with other projects. So mm -hmm. something like that's helpful. Um, the other thing is if you can get connected with someone who's doing a web comic, especially someone who doesn't want to letter their web comic, which is usually most people, um, especially if they're cartoonists or, you know, some of them really get into it and have amazing hand lettered stuff, but most people yeah. that's just artists, they hate doing it. It's like this extra thing they have to do. Um, that was helpful too, because when I first started out, I had a strip coming in every week, you know, we had a weekly thing to do. I always had something to practice on. The last thing is maybe a little bit more controversial, but, uh, I bring it up because there's there's a big historically at least I don't know lately if what the conversation is around it but there's been a, historically a big sort of like never work for free um mm -hmm. you know kind of thing which I I don't disagree with um I I definitely agree with in principle 
Um, at the beginning, it's tough because yes, you have no experience. No one's going to pay you to do something shitty because you don't yes. know how to. So I don't have, I, I think if, I think that's totally an okay thing to do when you're starting out, depending on what you're doing, depending on the circumstance, as long as you go into that with your eyes open. Like I mentioned with the blue water thing <laughs> for me, the blue water thing was exactly that. I knew I was getting paid nothing. And I also knew if I hit a point where I'm over this or if I'm, you know, hating it or whatever, I can walk at any time. It's not, I'm not beholden to it. There were no contracts I had to sign or anything like that. Um, which some would say maybe is a problem with blue water in general, but <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I get it. There's definitely a stigma around that, but it's, it's something I try to tell a lot of people starting out is like, it's okay. It's, it's, if you're making these decisions, you're being smart about it. Um, I've, I've lettered some stuff purely off of, you know, working with a, a group of people and I really believe in it. And I think it's awesome and we're all doing it for free and we're getting back in whatever. I don't do that stuff as much now because I got to pay the bills and everything else. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that in, in certain situations, as long as you're, you're being smart about it. So yeah. I bring it up because people parrot that all the time. And I've seen a lot of people starting out be like, well, I guess I should charge them, but I don't. And I, I get it. It, it. it feels weird to charge for something you don't really know how to do. <laughs> So, yeah. But there, there's this, there's this being able to be honest with yourself too, and saying no, like saying this is too much, or you know, like, hey, I did this for you, and they're like, can you do this small little change that like might not be necessary, but might take you a lot of time, and just knowing like, hey, I did this for free, like this is what I the best I could do, or or this is what I was able to come up with, or I worked as a designer, you do things all the time for people to try to build your portfolio in a sense um yeah. but in the same sense like how many times do people do things for free for someone that really catapults them into success in the industry they're trying to to make it in? like like doing if, if i were to create a comic book with you dc and i'm just like hey dc can you let this for free it will get your name out there like how much is that actually like I work in the beer industry as my day job uh, and i'm a graphic designer doing beer can labels and there's so many people out there who use it as a, but your beer can label will be in tons of stores and all kinds of people can see it. And it's like, yes, but it still took you time. Like you don't have to pay them a ton of money, but you can give them something or in the back end, if you're going to come up with a book, give them 20 comp issues so they can sell them at, you know, whatever cost they want to sell. And that helps me pay for it. I did that at a, a, a Comic-Con. I did a beer label at my friend's Comic-Con. It's actually, you can hear it's If you're watching the video, it's right there. It's uh, called We All Flow. It was for a Comic-Con here in Bangor, Maine. Uh, they had the guests from the uh, original It TV series, uh, miniseries. And I did the label for free because they're buddies of mine. And I, I work for another brewery. Another brewery actually produced the beer. So I didn't want to get paid from another brewery when I get full. <laughs> my salary comes from another brewery. And so, but I said, hey, how about I produce 11 by 17 prints that I sell for a profit so that I can make the money that I wanted to make on the label, but in a different way. And they were like, cool, that sounds good. So like there's other ways to actually make the money potentially off of the work. But yeah, I understand. I, I completely agree with you that it's like one of those weird things, work for free or don't work for free. Your time is worth money. And, but also how do you get practice and how do you get your name out there if you don't? have something that doesn't have a lot of connection someone doesn't pay a bunch of money for something that you know sucks 
And it's like you said, I think you, you nailed it. It's, it's a lot of just keeping your eyes open, being smart. Um, not every situation is going to be the same. Um, another thing I'm a huge believer in is um, really maintaining strong, professional, trustworthy working relationships with mm -hmm. people. So like what you mentioned before with, you know, it, let's say I, let's say I letter something. Um, I've got two rounds of edits included in the rate for this. Yep. Let's say they hit both rounds, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I just realized I misspelled this guy's name 10 times throughout the book. Can we get it changed? I'm not charging somebody for that. You know what I mean? Like, and there are letters who would, they would say there's, this is past my, my two round rate. I don't want to make it letters, any artist, whatever. Um, so we have to figure this thing out. And so you're, you're constantly trying to kind of figure out, okay. Um, I may, I might be taking a little bit of a tiny bit of a hit here, but ultimately I'm showing them, I got your back. I'm, you know, and then they're for other stuff. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a letter that for them didn't cause any trouble, got stuff done, got it done quick. Uh, that's what they're going to want on their next project. Not the person who was like, tried to nickel and dime them on six name, you know, changes or whatever. So I think a lot of it too, is just kind of navigating. Like you said, if it doesn't feel good for you, if it doesn't feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable about it, if something feels off, absolutely don't do it. Um, there was a project a few months ago that I got three e emails in with the person after we started. And right away, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, had, I gave him an excuse. I was like, I'm super busy. I've got this stuff. I can't do the rest of it. But I knew because of my experience at this point in the industry, because I've seen these things play out, it's easier to make smarter decisions like that. Where at the beginning, I would never turn a job down early no. on because, you know, I would, and I've been through so many awful, <laughs> not so many, but a good handful at the beginning of awful experiences because you you hold on to every job with just such a firm grip of like i got this one gig you know and um so it, early on it's it's really hard and especially when you've got people telling you make sure you don't work for free having that sort of thing without the contextual stuff going in yeah but you're totally right just be make sure you're cool with whatever is going on that's it yes because you could just stand up stand up for yourself in a sense but like i find myself all the time taking being I feel like I'm taking advantage of it. If you personally feel like you're taking advantage of, you're likely getting taken advantage of. <laughs> like, you know, my wife was always like, when I do certain products for friends and I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, it's cool. And this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, yeah, but that, that you, you, they complain all the time about things. And I'm like, I know, but still I like doing it. And she's like, yeah, but that's, is it worth it? And I said, in the end, I'm like, I don't know if it was worth it. Like, I don't know if putting my name on something was, in the long run worth the effort and stuff like that, that I didn't, wasn't able to like pay down some debt with the money that I was paid to do. You know what I mean? Like there's just certain things where I'm just like, okay, if someone came to you early on, it was like this, Brian Michael Bendis book <laughs> came to you and was like, oh yeah, I want you to letter our book. And you're like, yeah, I'll do it for free because you're connected now to his name that, that could potentially catapult you. But if, Someone's like, I've never written a book before in my life and I want you to write a book. Again, it's a different decision to make on each one of those options. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and connecting your name to a big name is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And and you never know what's going to hit and what's not. I mean, it's 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 such a weird, like you mentioned before, like people saying, you know, you've got you everyone seeing your art, you know, all these beer cans. I, I got hired by uh, um, the AARP magazine, like the, the mm -hmm. senior and whatever. And to do, they were doing an article about 
Stan Lee and um, like the elder abuse allegation stuff that had happened toward the end mm-hmm. of his life and all that. And so they had a, they had like subheadings for each section of, of the, the article and they wanted to do like comic book, like silver age kind of thing. So I designed, they're on my website. I designed all these things, different balloons and stuff for them. Um, and ultimately they ended up completely going in a different direction with how they were doing the story. So they didn't use any of it, still got paid great experience. They were super nice. Um, but that was a situation where I was in a weird place of being excited. Cause I'm like, more people are ever going, are going to see my lettering than ever before. Like they have a circulation of millions, but then also knowing like, it's pretty much a 100% guarantee. I'm not going to get any jobs. <laughs> That's a bit. <laughs> Hey, yeah, I saw like, you in the AAR, AARP magazine. I want to hire you to letter my book. <laughs> but like that's that's not the demo for for people in the <laughs> market for a comic book. But it, it's it's weird stuff like that. You never really know what's. I mean, I had a lot of jobs early on that I got because of the podcast I was doing. People knew yep. me from the podcast, and um, so you, that's another I think big thing too is keep as many bridges open as you can. Um, the more you burn. You're just limiting, especially if you're freelance, self-employed, whatever. You got to keep that stuff open. Speaking of uh, uh, doing something with someone of notoriety for free, I when I first launched the podcast uh, a couple of years ago, I was at doing a live stream at the Bangor Comic and Toy Con here in my hometown, and and Dana Snyder was there, a voice actor for Aqua Teen Hunger Force and a bunch of other stuff, and he was potentially getting a role for a TV show that he had to record that night or he'd miss it. And so my buddies came up to me and were like, Hey man, you know, so-and-so I can't mention the TV show because he didn't end up, nothing didn't end up getting it. They went a different direction. And because of that, someone else's character was, would have been replaced. So he can't yeah. tell anybody. And so yeah. it was like, to me, it was like, it'd be a huge thing. So I, I brought, we went recorded. It did this whole like thing over the internet, which was really cool to California. And it did all these landing and hearing Dana Snyder be able to say these words in 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 different takes and all this other stuff was so amazing experience and I'm like this yeah. is gonna be so amazing I'm gonna tell all my friends watch you know whatever and we recorded that you know on our equipment and then it never went through <laughs> and it never happened so Dana Snyder texted me and was like yeah you can't tell anybody I'm like god damn it. <laughs> That was really the only reason I mean the experience was fun but really the only reason I wanted to do it was be able to use it as a Hey guys, yeah. look at that. So he was thinking of uh, my actual equipment. I, uh, I use a Tascam 4x4 and it's signed by Dana Snyder saying we'll always have, and it's the name of the project he was working on. Uh, so I do have written evidence of what happened, um, but I can't like publicly say it out loud. Hopefully at some point it'll be far enough past that Dana will come on the podcast and we can talk about that entire story and, and it's okay to talk about. But it was just funny. I was like, I did it for nothing. I, I, I actually canceled a date night with my wife Really? Do that. She came with us. She was with me at the time, but I canceled the date night with my wife to do this recording, and I can't tell anybody what show it was for, or TV or movie it was for because of that. So it was kind of fun. I'm like, it is. Sometimes you do things for free to get the notoriety, but then, like you said, the, you got paid. I'm guessing by AARP anyway. Um, but you did it for some notoriety and realizing that it, it wasn't actually used. <laughs> you got that connection. Yeah. Especially that something later on. Same thing with AARP. Like, yeah. the director. He was like, you know, I'll be honest don't get a lot of comic book stuff going on he's like but if we if we do i know you're the guy for me to yeah. hit up so yeah but oh man i i i lettered a graphic novel one time um pretty early on and it was 
it was going to get published by Dark Horse. And at the time I hadn't gotten, I'm trying to think where I had gotten stuff published at the time. I mean, Blue Water, obviously, but probably the biggest place I had done anything for by that point would have been Lion Forge, maybe. Yeah. So but I hadn't yet worked at like DC or Image yeah. or you know, those bigger places. And no, again, no shade to Lion Forge. But I like yeah. working there. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. About to say, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. My... <laughs> so, if you think about it, come back to it. But I wanted to do a question for you really quickly. So, you obviously work uh, in world. You mentioned earlier, what remember... makes the decision? Oh, you just remember? Go. Yeah, sorry. I'll make it really fast, just because no, it was okay. an interesting thing. So, um, Dark Horse was going to publish this book. It was going to be published through an imprint. Um, I was friends with the artist, and he was like, "Look, I'm not getting paid on this thing at all." Um, I, I I don't have any money to give you, but it's going to be picked up by Dark Horse. And I was like, 100%, I'll do it. Yes. So I'm going to work with him again. Excited to do it again. Hellboy's my guy. I mean, you know, all that stuff. Um, I had bought a Cintiq not too long before that. I had started lettering on a Cintiq. So I was like, I'm going to... Maybe a stupid thing now in retrospect because I didn't get paid for the book. But I was like, I'm going to push myself on this one. So I hand-lettered all of the sound effects, which they look bad. But mm -hmm. I was like, I have this... <laughs> now I was I can do it. Um, long story short, uh, there was a falling out between the guy and the contact at Dark Horse. So then they were going to publish it as a graphic novel on Kickstarter. Um, so I was like, okay, at least people will see it. Yeah. So Kickstarter is funded. Um, book is done. The artist has done all of it. I've lettered all of it, waiting for stuff to happen. And then the artist hit me up one day and he was like, um, the writer had a heart attack and he's dead. And I, he's been, he had been dead for like a week. No one had told, obviously no one's going to be like, tell the comic book artist. <laughs> yeah. so we, Number yeah. one, yeah, make sure that you know, let them know. Yeah. It's <laughs> such a weird, bizarre twist of this. So this book still never been seen um, by anyone. It was never printed or anything. Just such a weird thing at the end. So yeah, there's like 90 pages of hand lettered sound effects somewhere by me that are not good, but it was a cool book. Uh, I've worked with the artists on multiple things since then. I won't name anything just because I don't know yeah. if someone does. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go ahead. You someone comes back and goes, uh, you say the name, he goes, that person's actually not dead. They just fl fled the country. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to run away for those people who got you know paid for Kickstarter. No, um, yeah. but the Anne World thing. So you mentioned Anne World, and uh, you know, obviously you letter for Anne World. So what makes the decision on whether or not it's an Anne World uh, book? And or you write and the word and world's written inside of it, or versus DC Hopkins is written inside of the book. Good question. So we've played around with this some. Obviously, I, I don't want to speak for Darren, but I mean, I yeah. can at least like what he's done in the past. Um, it's 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 not a one size fits all thing. Always, quickly okay. with the stuff with the studio, it's going to be and world design. Um, mm -hmm. If if we get hired through, you know, if they hire us through that. If they ask for specific letters, um, a lot of times we'll do like on um, uh, what was it that I did? AWs, the Pennyworth book for DC, the yes. miniseries. That I think was AWs DC Hopkins. So okay. I'm friends with Scott Brian Wilson. He requested me on the book. Um, they already had like kind of a relationship with Darren with Anworld, so we kind of made it wrapped up all in one thing there. Um, so we do stuff like that sometimes. Other times, like. We did the uh, LeBron James Space Jam graphic mm -hmm. novel or whatever that DC put out. And 
Um, I lettered, I don't know, 40 pages of that. Some other people lettered 20 pages. Like it was the studio sort of effort. Uh, and in that case, it was that was pretty fun and cool because DC came to us being like, we need this lettered quick. And it's a graphic novel. And we were like, we got it. You know, the studio, uh, all hands on deck. We all jumped in and, and got it done. Um, so it varies. The, the only time I don't have any AW thing on there is if somebody hires me outside of everything else. Um, if a lot of times, if there's already an existing relationship with Anworld, I'll, I'll kind of say, hey, do you care if I put my tag on this or whatever else? Um, my AW thing. But yeah, it, it's it's mostly just the stuff like Noctera has said Anworld design since day one. Um, and I've Darren lettered four pages of the first issue and I've lettered every single other page. So, but it's a, a studio book. Um, and at that point, you know, we were doing, I think we still do a lot of the other Scott Snyder books. So like I also lettered um, the one with Francesco Francovia. Yep. Uh, Nana the Ghouls, yeah. Um, and that's kind of the the relationship or like the connection is the the studio um it's weird it's it's fun navigating it but it's a, it's a strange thing because we're all individuals within the studio obviously we all have our, our do our own work but the everyone's all in on the studio aspect of it yeah. too like there's there's no ego at play with anyone there's no i mean it's so easy to work with people like um tom napolitano you know he went on his honeymoon not too long ago um i got my kolchak kolchak i ever say the vampire hunter graphic novel thing tom lettered all of that i lettered like four pages so i have like a small little credit because he was on his yeah. honeymoon like that's cake right like he just hit me up was like can you knock these out while i'm gone for sure um and then when we can meet up in person it's the best like we usually it's new york comic-con and darren will organize something where we all go out to eat we went and did karaoke one time like we all really get along and it makes the whole idea of community that we were talking about earlier too like just being within comics and, and not feeling isolated yeah um it's just even more of that really really helpful supportive um creatively kind of recharging energy um that obviously the next best thing would be to have like a helioscope or something where we're all in the same room but we're we're all over the United States, so um, having the Slack channel and every day running and it's it's fun. It's a good, it's a really good group of people. And I'm just from the jump, I was so on board. Uh, mm -hmm. Darren is is one of the. I, I'll go ahead and say he's the nicest person I've ever met in comics. Um, <laughs> genuinely, so creative, so inspiring. I was. Uh, the way I even got connected with him is because I was doing my best impression of his artwork and or of his lettering and an anthology that he also had a story in. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, he hit me up later and, and mentored me and um, the, just the environment that he has fostered has just been fantastic. And this past Ringo awards was really fun because uh, it was the first time that we got nominated as a studio for a major award, which is, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I could talk about Anworld all day. They're the best. Well, so like Anworld, like Eve, uh, you know, this is Anworld design, and it's, but I believe it's this. Did you letter this issue, issue two? Yeah, is that the first? Yes, if it's the first series or the second series, I did first Darren series of the first series. So yeah, starting with that, I've lettered all of it. Okay, that's uh, that'll happen. Too, like if, um, it just varies. You know, sometimes publishers will know Darren really well, 
And so he'll kind of start it off and say, Hey, I'm, I'm setting up the style for this book. So like Darren created the style for, for Eve um, and, yeah. and with the template and, and, you know, do the actual lettering work or whatever. So it's a, yeah, it's a cool system. It's fun. It's, it's also, cool. there's not a lot of, there's comic craft and they had kind of more of a robust like roster back in the day at some point, you would see different names kind of come in and out. Um, but yeah, anyway, I could get dorky about like lettering studios because it's such a weird like within a niche within a niche. It is because it's one of those things that you see, um, like obviously, um, you know, you see people's the letterers' names all the time, and then you see studios' names as well. And then there's certain it looks like like there's certain studios like Vault and things like that, or certain comic publishers like Vault and stuff like that that seem to use the same people a lot. Or you know VC using the same over at Marvel. That's basically their their letter studio is VC. And so like it's just interesting to see because it's a dynamic that you don't normally see. Like if you work, uh, you know, a, for a company, it's like you work for that company. Whereas you work for you have a studio that you work out of or with with Anworld, but you also could do things on your own if you get picked up. I mean, I have we we don't kill spiders here as well. Um, oh. Our friends uh, at, at uh, Joe Schmalky his yeah. book and, and he's actually the funny you mentioned the old thing about artists and, and wanting to letter their own book or not he was the one that was talking to me one day about how he's like it's like you try to do it yourself and then you're like screw this like i i need someone else to letter this book i will write it and draw it and color it but someone else can letter the book why i letter we don't kill spiders and yes. uh <laughs> the other one they did count draco count draco knuckle duster yeah there's a few of those where um yeah, Joe Joe's is such an I I think I met him once before we started working together. I haven't okay. met him since then, but such a nice dude. And yeah, they were very upfront at the beginning, just being like, We hate doing this when you do it. Uh but yeah, totally. It's goes fast for me and it's less of a headache for you. So everybody wins. Yes, yes exactly. And and that's one of those things that, you know, and then this is one of my favorite comic books so far. I I in a long time, True Cult. And uh, you know, the lettering in this is great. I just finished reading uh the the, the series last night, honestly. Um, yeah, and uh, I had uh, I've had John- Jonathan Hedrick on the podcast twice. Uh, you did Dream Master with him uh, over there at was it Black Box? Comics? Yeah, I, yeah. So uh, that's the first book I've ever worked on with him. Um, we very very narrowly crossed, like almost crossed paths at the Ringos. Um, it almost feel like every single con I go to, there's always a situation where one person is texting the other one to meet, and the person has left for the weekend. <laughs> like it's <laughs> what happened here we're gonna meet after the races and then by the time i saw my phone uh Kita's wife i think had, had left yeah. the award um yeah that book's a ton of fun uh and i i love the whole like um i, I think he's a fan of the like uh val uh acclaim like valiant air like 90s like those weird publishers that were out or what was the yeah. other one now uh caliber was one and they're yeah. still but not what they were um and it taps into that that vibe. every single issue is just crazy art and all kinds of it's it's fun i got a chance to it's read a, uh the first three issues of quicksand his new book uh that he's working on and uh i'm excited for that to come out there's gonna be an announcement on where it's going and things like that here pretty soon but um uh, jonathan's a great dude to talk to and he's a great uh great comic book writer but it, it, it must be weird one of the things i will say about but lettering is you know, when my brother used to play band in bands, we we you know we'd play shows and things like that. He'd always used to tell people like, "Oh, I opened up for Aerosmith or whatever," but or I played with Aerosmith, or shared the stage with Aerosmith, or whatever mm-hmm. band. I don't know why I just picked Aerosmith, but but really, sure. what he did was played some sort of small stage in the parking lot 
for people walking in and he can right. tell everybody that he's he's worked on he's worked with this uh played with this band and so like lettering is one of those ones i always feel like that's the case like i feel like one of the cool things to be involved in so many different publishers and writers and, and artists is to be a letterer because you get the opportunity to have your stamp on a wide variety of people's books uh you know different genres and different publishers and artists and creators it's just a cool thing because now like when some if i were to actually read off your resume fully <laughs> at the beginning of a podcast it's like i could talk to certain people schmalky i can be like hey and i could list like five books off and be cool six books off and be cool years that i would be like a half an hour just listening off all the books that you worked on working that's on cool so in my opinion like i think that's yeah. awesome yeah no yeah it is it definitely is it's that's definitely one of the advantages from uh from the perspective of just being a, a fan and, and of comics and of art in general is you get to work on multiple projects at the same time whereas you know artists i think color i mean colorists can obviously yep. but um that makes it a, a ton of fun and then anthologies too like i to, to your point there was an anthology i worked in it's a couple years ago now maybe but it was um it was a metal band anthrax it was an anthrax graphic novel anthology so mm. i don't know which one was a song or what what it was but um I think Z2 put it out and we were working on it at and world. So we were just as stories would come up. Um, I ended up lettering the Grant Morrison story, the Brian Azzarello story. And for me was the biggest one, the Gerard way story. Cause umbrella <laughs> Academy, one yeah. of my favorite comics ever. And it was crazy just cause ever, and, and the art, the artists were amazing. Like um, on the Brian Azzarello story, it was uh Oh, I'm gonna forget his name. Not Dave Stewart. He's the dude who did. He he almost only does covers. He did interiors on Superman Red Sun, the Mark Miller Russian mm -hmm. um, book. He did all the covers for Hundred Bullets. I can see all of his art now. I want to say it's Dave Johnson, maybe. Anyway, he almost never does interiors, and he did interiors on that Brian Azzarello book. And the whole time, it's just it's a weird thing too because it's another job. Mm -hmm. Like not like the editor or anyone comes to you and they're like. You know, you're, you're going to get to meet Brian Azzarello and he's going to have a, a dinner. Like, it's just we need these pages done, do them, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> the weird sort of like demystifying of it at the same time. But then there's this very strange, surreal thing of being like, holy shit, Grant Morrison wrote this script. And like, I'm I'm seeing like um, the exposition that they're putting in there or like the panel description stuff that no one else has seen. And mm -hmm. it's definitely hard sometimes not to get caught up. Um, and that the the flip side of it that makes it nice is when um uh they do stuff that maybe isn't annoying or frustrating but humanizes them for you and then you can be like okay this is a collaborate like i can i don't have to think about i don't have to be weirded out by the fact <laughs> that like i've been in this person's comics my whole life like they just sent me you know eight pages of rewrites i'm annoyed like, but in some ways that helps because it's like, okay, I'm not, they're not on a pedestal anymore. I can just yes. work with and not be a thing or whatever, but yeah, totally. It's, and it happens so randomly too. And it, I think more than anything, the fun part is if you ever get to meet those people, then you can be like, Hey, I lettered the six page thing that, you know, you probably don't remember, but <laughs> I, I was the one who, who worked on that. So you have a way to kind of say, I, I remember, um, I got an email on the, it was on an email chain for something for edits for that and Gerard Wade's email address was on there and I chatted Darren I was like 
I need you to talk me out of emailing Charlie. I have his address now. Like I am drafting an email about how much my it's meant to me in high school. And like, I was like, don't let me do it. So I didn't do it. (laughs) And therefore you're, and that's when your lettering uh, career ended right there. (laughs) So do not work with this person. He stalks you via via email. No, I can see that. I mean, there's times, uh, you know, I feel like as a podcast, uh, I've tried to get guests on here to talk and there's definitely people who would, I just can't know. It's sometimes hard to find out how to get in touch with these people. Like, or oh. how, like you mentioned earlier about like sliding into someone's DMS per se to like oh. ask if you could letter their book. It, it's like one of those, there's a, there is a correct way of doing it. And sometimes you just reach out. Like I just, you know, message you obviously DC Hopkins, the comic book letterer doesn't have like an agent that's helping you, uh, book appearances at places, but some of these bigger people, like Comic-Con coming to the area that I'm in, I'm friends with the people. I'm like, I'd love to be able to help promote their their comic convention and get someone to come on here. And so there's specific people that I'd love to be in touch with. It's like, and sometimes I'm in a, a email chain with these people because I create some of the graphics for the con and hmm. I see their email. I'm like, I could just email them. But that's also yeah. an inappropriate way of doing it because I yeah. don't have the permission to contact this. I guess it's Even though I potentially could find it somewhere else, I'm like, it's one of those things I have to go through certain avenues to get to it. So if you wanted to talk to Gerard Way, you'd say, who can I talk to? Then they can then relay a message saying, I would like to talk to this person, even though you can see the email right there. There's just certain ways that could really screw up your career in the long term. No one's ever going to book with you ever. That day job I mentioned earlier that I was yeah. a manager on. I So I started on the phones in college. So I was an Apple care, like tech person. Yeah. And so I think I can pretty much talk about whatever now. I was terrified back then to talk publicly because Apple Apple would yeah. shut down centers of stuff leak. I mean, they it's they're yeah. super tight. Um, but anyway, the internal tools there, it dawned on me one day where I was like, it's probably famous people. So I'm like search. I remember the first name I searched was Trent Reznor's Nine Inch Nails yeah. is my favorite. And I like Trent Reznor's email and all, all this stuff came up and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but then also can't do anything with this. Nope. You'll get certainly fired. Like maybe lawsuits, whatever else. Which is funny because so. you worked for Windows or Microsoft at the time, you probably wouldn't have found anybody's information because all those famous people have Apple products. <laughs> the musicians and that yes. was a job. Like I, I remember one night, um, the head writer of Nurse Jackie, that like HB Showtime or whatever it was show called, and she was freaking out. She was like, "I have to get the script. My power chip, my power charger won't work." And um, for me on the phones, like what at that point wanting to work in like movies and TV and everything, I'm like, I'm going to help you get this charger. And it's like at that age thinking like at the end of this, like she's going to be like, Hey, you want to come help us make an episode? Like she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like, like five years from now, she's going to see Hopkins somewhere and be like, Oh my God, that's the guy who helped me on the Apple product. I'm going to hire him for a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dreaming of, you know, being bigger and famous. No, um, it is kind of funny though. It's like, I, it, I was a sports reporter in Massachusetts before I came, moved to Maine. And it was a similar thing when you're like in the locker room and I was covering the Bruins and like Zidane Ochara would be right there. And be like, I want to see, some. I don't know. Did you see the clip of the little girl recently who sat next to LeBron James at the basketball game? So there's this little girl who, I say little girl, she must be 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever. And she's obviously has the family has bought her. She got tickets courtside and she's sitting right there. And then all of a sudden I know her, this giant man walks by and sits in the seat next to her at the end of the Lakers bench. And it's LeBron James. And she goes, 
oh my god it's the project but she knows and she's honestly smart enough and mature enough that she's not supposed to in that seat communicate with the person next to them unless they are the one that does to you obviously you don't want people like tapping on lebron james's you know knee in the middle of the game and so she just sat there and the reporter came over and starts talking to her like lebron james is not sitting right there And it's like, oh, what would you say to LeBron if you could actually talk to him right now and all this stuff? And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's playing like he can't hear you. But it was just so funny because she, like, had the respect to saying, you know, there's some people that would not respect that person's boundaries. And be like, hey, I know you're paying attention to this game right now, but can I have your honor? <laughs> and it's just like sometimes you just have to make sure you know your boundaries and you didn't email. And the greatest thing is that when you eventually one day meet Gerard Way, you're going to be able to say, hey, I could have emailed you, but I did. Man. Totally stalk you, like immediately just ruin my chances at, <laughs> at meeting him. <laughs> his, his response would have been like, Oh, dude, you should have. We could have worked together. I know. <laughs> like, oh, thanks a lot. No, it's just kind of funny. I, like I said, I love the idea that I love me working for a brewery. I get to design, I, I did the math. It's my sixth anniversary at the company uh, last week. And I, I did the math on it's like a hundred. We've only been canning beer for four years. So 107 different labels in four years. And wow. I said to myself, That's a pretty good amount. And I said to myself, it's cool being able to do it for one place, but it, you know, would I have been in more of over the past four years had more fun, 107 labels for 107 different breweries. And I was like, I don't know, but it is, there's, there's something for both of it. I can understand some of these people, like I said, the, I mentioned VC uh, earlier and them doing only Marvel books. It makes, it's cool. Like you get to be like the same, you get to see the big people we all grew up on, but it's mm -hmm. also kind of cool to do some of these other stories that maybe like, Maybe you never would have understood, you ever even read if you didn't let yeah. a book. Like it's a, that's the kind of cool thing I think about, you know, running a media company like this, like doing reviews and things like that. There's sometimes I've read books because I felt forced to read it. And then I was like, I'm so glad I read this book. I am going to read anything from this author or, or, or writer or anything from these artists, uh, you know. And so there's some books I don't think I've ever would have even touched uh, right. You know, you know, Dream Master doesn't have a huge reach because of Black Box is not a massive publisher. And if I didn't yeah. know Jonathan Hedrick, would I have ever read it in the first place? And I'm glad I did kind of thing. So lettering books, you might might get the opportunity to read some books or, or know a little bit about, more about books that maybe you never would have touched in the first place. Absolutely. Especially stuff that's like, man, the amount of pitches I've done that were so good, that were so cool. Like, I mean, stuff that I have in my portfolio, just because yeah. to this day, I'm like, I love this. So I, even though no one ever saw it, like it didn't get picked up. Um, that's that's one of the toughest things sometimes is is seeing working on stuff and then, you know, people can't find a home for it. And a lot of times it's just not what the publisher wants at that moment. It's not because it's not good enough or whatever else. Um, but yeah, totally. I mean, the... And, and also beyond comics too, like within the realm of design, like you, I, I got connected with one client at one point who needed some comic book lettering done, did that for him. Uh, and then he asked if I did other design work and I was like, mm. sure, you know, what you need. And over the years I've designed a card game for him, logos for board games that I've seen in stores. I didn't mm. even know were like actually being made. Um, the newest third eye blind album. I designed that <laughs> like, <laughs> all, all these weird random, the third eye blinds poster for their documentary, like all through this one guy who has, you know, kind of he's spinning lots of plates, whether it's in um, film or comics or TV, board game, you know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, 
you're constantly being and, and it can be other stuff too not just comics he did a documentary about um no, i'm gonna blank on the guy's name now he's like an inch uh uh and what's like brian you know like ambient music experimental sort of like yeah yeah uh, uh... i'm trying to remember the exact thing now anyway one of william basinski i think is his name he did this album like right after 9-11 and okay. this is huge deal and um love that music now had never heard of him you know mm-hmm. and it was finding this out and i listened to it when i let her a lot um so it's yeah always discovering new stuff which is fun for sure it's pretty cool i, I just was glancing at your website too you did the logo for true cult too yeah, yeah. i'm I, I people are who listen to this podcast on a regular basis are going to think it's a broken record here but i i i've as a designer myself there's sometimes i i look at comic books and i'm like who the hell designed this trade dress for this comic book and this logo because like like I'm talking big too. You're talking DC, Marvel, like these massive companies, and you can't hire someone to do a graph or a, a logo for a, for a comic book series that actually it doesn't look like it was made on Kickstarter from a guy who has didn't reach his goal and, <laughs> and did it off the fun just because they could. Like, yeah. I, and I hate to shit on people like that, but I'm like thinking to myself like I haven't called anybody out specifically yet, but I'm just saying like, and I feel like I can call out Marvel and DC. Like anybody can just call out Marvel and DC or anything. But oh. my point was like, there's sometimes it, and it's hard because a cover sells the comic book a lot of times. Very few people are actually reading solicitations before they go into the store to buy a comic book. And if you see a comic book and the the cover does not look attractive, whether it be the art, the coloring, any of that stuff, the design of the logo sometimes to me is like, that doesn't look like something I would want to read. I might not pick it up. So I'm very happy with that. And I was just thinking the same thing. I'm I'm talking to uh, uh, Trace Dean, uh, from Rewrite Titans, and I was like, "This is cool too." So, like, there's just definitely some some people out there. And again, I will never, or maybe not. I wouldn't say never. One of, the, <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to call out someone. I feel like I have to call out someone who's on the podcast, though. Like, not sarcastically call them out on it. Like, I got to tell you something, man. <laughs> Stage of my career where I could not care anymore. Just start <laughs> shit and like telling crazy stories. Like I, uh. I can say this. It's not. It's not crazy because I'm not actually going to say anything. Yeah. But for, there was a stretch a couple years ago that I was a, a process editor for AWA. Um, mm-hmm. Very strange story how I got connected there. I got called to do an interview. I never replied, but they had my. This is a whole weird thing. I've thought about making like a autobio comic about it at some point. Um, but I worked closely with on an almost daily basis Bill Jemis, mm-hmm. who is you know kind of the infamous. Uh, ex-president of Marvel who did a lot of st- crazy stuff with Kazada and also a lot of instrumental and, and major things um, but man working with him was wild on a, <laughs> on a daily basis the, <laughs> that he, the way that he works and it's not any secret I mean it's it's pretty well known like his method of working and his approach and um, but just like flies in the face of everything you would expect anywhere else so every day it was kind of like a okay i did this thing but i have no idea if this is actually what you know you're constantly trying but it's stuff where i'm like i don't know that i can i'm not ready to fully talk about this stuff yet i need to wait until (laughs) people are old or like not working in the industry anymore or something (laughs) so uh, you know i would like to finish up here too i was just quickly want to think of so Quick answers to these ones. You know, I don't want to. What's the favorite comic book you think you've lettered so far? <laughs> it's not the 
it's not the best one I've lettered. I looked at the lettering the other day and it's it's okay. It's it's not horrible. It's still enough to make the cut, but uh probably Darkwing Duck. Um that was that was like my main thing as a kid. Like that was mm -hmm. my my favorite cartoon I had. Um in fact when I got hired on that book, I sent the creative team a picture of me when I was like four. And yeah. I've got like a thumbs up and I my mom made me a Darkwing uh cape and I've got a Darkwing hat on and I've got a thumbs up and I've got like a an NBA shirt on or something. <laughs> and on you know, six curly six year old kid and I was like, You guys hired the right person. So that was a that was a huge deal. Um sorry, these are quick answers. Darkwing duck. No, you're good. You're fine. You're you're fine. I was only a couple of them, so I just want to make sure that we didn't like talk okay. for seven hours. So Darkwing Duck, that was the series, not the newest series, obviously. Is there a newer one? I don't There's know. There's a new one that just hit. You got to read it. It's over oh, at no. Dynamite. It's a Dynamite now. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, um, Dynamite. It's pretty good. And it's cool. They did Darkwing Duck and they're doing Gargoyles. So oh. to me, it was like Gargoyles was one of those ones. And Gargoyles is actually written by uh, the guy who created it for Disney, uh, the animated show. So it's basically a continuation of the Gargoyles TV show into the comic books, which is really cool in my opinion. To see that yeah, crossover like that. Yeah. Um, and the other one would be just a quick other question is, you could do two. You can actually figure it out in either way. Is, is there something in the future that you'd like to to letter that you haven't you know chance to letter yet or design? But also, if you could go back in any of the different comic books that you've read or, or and you could, not because the design was bad on it, but if you were the one that was hired to do, it, is there a book like for example, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Like if Todd McFarlane had reached out about Spawn number one, is that a book that you would have loved to have gone back and and, and lettered, had the opportunity Spawn to do that? Spawn is my answer. Not not yeah. uh not spawn number one. Because okay. uh, Kowski obviously yes. uh, maybe I never know how to say it. I never remember. Um Tom's a legend, everybody loves him for a reason, super nice guy. Uh so not that. But um so I, I letter spawn right now. I lettered the Scorched, I letter King Spawn, I lettered Spawn, I'm let I'm co-lettering, I guess, with Tom uh Spawn. Unnatural violence, unneeded violence. I'm wanted like violence because that. that's one of my favorite artists of all time is uh, uh, Michael Del Mundo. So, Mike Del Mundo, okay. those pages, I was like, this stuff is so good. And I, a lot of times, they, no one's like, hey, these are pages by this yeah. person. You don't know who they are. Um, yeah, the art in that is amazing. So, working on that book or on all of those books is, is pretty interesting. I, I don't talk about working on them a lot because of the nature of how they are. Mm -hmm. And that is that uh, Todd McFarlane, he has a very specific way he wants everything to, I mean, it makes sense. It's creator on book. He's been making it, you know, for 30 years. Like, um, so the lettering, like everything is down to a T figured out. Um, so my job on that book is more to kind of hit the right places at the right times, get it done um which is fine like it's mm -hmm. but i've there has been part of me that's every once in a while and i kind of get to do it with sound effects sometimes um is to go like full noctera on like the newer spawn books like i mm -hmm. i would i really get why you know mcfarlane has the aesthetic and this is a book that or these are books that also primarily ride heavily on aesthetics for people and, and they're buying them for the art and the covers and everything else um you're not gonna fuck with spawns balloons they've yeah. looked specific way forever like so I totally get all that. Um, but someone who wants to like incorporate shit with the art and like do yeah. weird fun stuff, 
uh, my hands are more tied on that. And then it's like you said, pointed out with Del Mundo, there's so many great artists that work on those books. So a lot of times I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just want to do something, you know, yes. crazy. Here. Uh, but I get why, why I can't. So it probably would be Spawn just because there's so much fun stuff. But at the same time, I get why, you know, it's the way it is. You also would have had 300 and some odd issues of Spawn to keep your paycheck going. Get paycheck going. I want to redo <laughs> run. I just like, Spot, like when they went five books or whatever it was recently, yeah. let me, let me go, go nuts on those. Um, the other place would be Marvel only. Like I told, I told Darren not too long ago, I was like, I, you need to pull some strings with your industry content. Let me letter one page at Marvel. Like, I don't yeah. care. It doesn't have to be a full book only because anytime anyone asks me, like, you know, who have you worked for? The answer is everyone but Marvel because I've worked at, so, so now it's just like it, it's, it annoys me that I don't have anything there just so I can be like yeah I've worked with everybody like I've got contacts like the Marvel's the one place and like you said they have VC they've got their own yeah. you know studio and everything Yeah. but at some point I'm gonna figure out a way to guess... two panels of something just so I can count it as a technical yes. do they use <laughs> yes yeah, so I didn't know if like on Star Wars if it was still VC but most of this I just didn't know if like if it was just like Marvel proper uh, but it seems like VC gets all the business for them. Like I don't, and I don't think VC basically does anything else but Marvel, right? I mean, they do maybe do here and there, but like I'm pretty sure they, they just do Marvel. They work. I won't get too into it because yeah. I don't know how much. But they're they're allowed to do other books. There's specific rules and stuff or whatever. But like Clayton um, yeah. Coles is on tons of you know, or he does a lot of time. Right? So like he's yeah. a he's. Um, but yeah, the and. That would have worked if it were Star. I've lettered Star Wars, but it was an IDW, so yeah. <laughs> person had the license. So yeah, just get me on one one Marvel page is all I ask, uh, just so I can knock it out, cross it off the list. I don't have to work it. Yeah, just give me. <laughs> I feel like you know, like some people might actually write your bio out and actually just add in Marvel, like assuming that you probably have because of all the other publishers you've worked for. You're like, yeah, he I, he did DC. He must have done Marvel. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> But yeah, so it, it's funny. I, I like I said, it, it's, I think, it, I don't know if it was my buddy's podcast, um, uh, off panel podcast uh, with David Harper. He, I think the first time ever, like when he had a uh, Hassan on and, and talking about lettering and he had Clayton Cowles on or Cowles on or recently too, but like those episodes, I think are important for people to listen to. I, I, I would say, you know, stop listening to this one and go over there and listen to that one. Because first of all, David's a far better podcaster than I am. But also the 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 the, the it made me respect and, and pay attention and, and accept lettering uh, as an art form more, listening to people talk about what goes into lettering uh, and, and the fact that it's an additional component that I think a lot of people on the peripheral sides of comic books or don't read comic books don't understand that like yeah. It's not the writer physically. It's like when you write a read a novel, they're physically typing on a computer, and then some like it's like they're actually writing the word the. Like they're not like you know mm -hmm. when a writer writes a script for a comic book, it's not they don't actually put the most of them don't actually put the word the in the comic book. It's yeah. the letterer doing that work for them, and and, and same thing with inking. Uh, it's, you know, not everybody does their own inking. Same thing with coloring. Not everybody does their own coloring as an artist, and so like. I find it important when I write something on our website that like, okay, I've got to call out everybody that's involved in this to a point. Like I've got to start doing it with editors more too, because their editors have a lot to do with this as well. So like, but like the fact that the front of this true cult book has so many names on it. Like I love that fact because the fact that that many people 
were in, influential in making this comic book what it is. And a lot of times yeah. the artist and the and the uh, writer are the only ones to get the glory for it, which is fine. I mean, they're the ones that created the beginning of everything, and you're just you know putting your input uh, input on it. But um, I just think that those things are great. And, and listening to people talk about lettering, it made me think of different things like not letting it stand like if it stands out too much to you then it's obviously pulling away from the artwork or the story if it's right. not there enough then you're not maybe you're not getting the entire experience like it's that finding that balance that you guys as, as letterers have that make it so that like at the end of the book you like almost forget that it was there but also notice how it, the experience was amazing and, and yeah. uh, you're if you go to your website and the first picture you have in your portfolio from noctera and the word vroom across there it's just like it's 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 beautiful. I think that's one of those things I think a lot of people need to do when they read comic books is get the entire experience on it. And I say that, but don't read step by bloody step though, because there is no lettering. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Please read step by bloody step. It's an excellent book. Um, but the 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 like I said, the, the entire thing between colors and lettering, all that stuff. And like I said, mm-hmm. listen to those those episodes over there too, because they're just great listening to. Uh, not that you weren't great. I'm just saying that. Those guys are, those guys are, like I said, that's what made me think about even reaching out to you in the first place. It's like, I got to talk to letters and I'm actually going to have Justin Birch on at some point in the future too. So that, that would be cool to get someone else's story on how they got started in lettering and what they're doing and what they're working on as well. And uh, the last thing I wanted to really touch on before we go, so we're getting there, getting long here is um, what's your work day look like? If you could just wake up in the morning and and before you go to bed, what does a work day uh, for DC Hopkins look like? So without getting too crazy in depth, last year has been very strange and completely different. Um, I, uh, my now ex-wife, I've been, I've been with her since I was 16 um, and I'm 34 now. And we had, uh, we split up, but it was because she had been on this journey of discovery and realized she's gay. Um, So it was this, it's been this very difficult slash happy sort of situation mm-hmm. where um, I couldn't be more proud and supportive and happy for her. She was the love of my life. So, you know, and I had yeah. always viewed it that way. So it's it's been a very kind of tough, depressing year. So right now it's kind of what I can get done when I can get it done kind of thing. Because um, sometimes I'm not there. So if we go yeah. back to like a year ago when things are more more normal, um, I try to get as much stuff as I can done during the day, uh, only because I used to be somebody who worked every night as mm-hmm. well, um, between having uh, a kid at home and then spending time with, with Amanda when she got home from work and then staying up late after they go to bed to work. It's just, it's awful for you. I mean, everybody knows that like it's, it, it, it messes with your sleep. And so once I kind of got out of that, um, I only do that if I, if I definitely need to, I try to get as much done as I can straight out the gate. Um, and I don't, I don't have a lot of really specific rules. Like I don't do like a, I don't do like a page count. I don't do, um, certain time parameters. I mean, usually one that gets to like four or five, if I'm not still rolling on something and there's nothing that's due that day or whatever, I might start wrapping it up. But, um, it's sometimes you don't have a choice. You're working all day to get stuff done. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had like six deadlines hit at once. And I over a hundred pages in like two or three days. I was just nonstop. So um, 
yeah, it, it can vary, but I think the I think the biggest part when working from home because it is really tough. Like people people talk about it like, oh, you're on your own boss and you work from home. It's it's like no, it keeping your health is so hard because uh, like I especially in the past year I've gained weight because it's been you know tough to get stuff done and everything else. But when you get hyper focused into work, you can get sucked into that to where it's like, oh, I haven't gotten out of my chair in eight hours or whatever. You know, you're just getting things done. So those, there's a lot of habits that I think are really important. Um, it also depends to where my kids at and mm -hmm. any, anyone with kids who, uh, works from home in comics can sympathize. It's tough because you're there. And so they think you're there <laughs> to do whatever. So it's a lot of, depending on what's going on, it's a lot of me feeling really guilty because Daniel wants to play Minecraft and I got to get some pages done or whatever um that's why i try especially when like he's at school or whatever else to get as much stuff as i i can done um that way if there's any flexibility that i can spend with him i i was literally talking about this the other day the uh, again we talked about being of the era that we're from karate kid was a huge movie for me growing up um i think a lot about and now that i'm thinking about it i can't remember i think this is in the movie but it might have been touched on again in cobra kai but uh daniel talks about daniel's son not my son mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, how Miyagi talks about balance and like that is everything that is important in life and for the longest time it was me trying to figure out a balance between my job um, my son so my role as a father and my role as a husband and I always felt like if I was doing really well in one of those areas the other two were taking a hit it was always hard for me to try to figure out a combination that all of them were were pretty equal um I feel like that's probably always a challenge with stuff like this too. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is, is that, and then another big thing, I know it's a long answer, but I think it's really important is if you get into a place or a mode where you can't get stuff done for whatever reason, um, whether it's because you're depressed or anxious or, you know, I've got depression, but it's a mental illness yeah. thing or whatever it may be. Don't make yourself feel like total shit about it. Just accept that that that's what's happening right now. And then um, if that means that you can't do it because you're tired or run down or whatever, rest. Use that time to rest and then go back to it, recharge later. Because when you come back to it with more strength, it's a lot easier to get back into the groove. Um, but I, I, have this I had this conversation with Austin last night. Um, just how much we beat ourselves up as creatives in terms of the pandemic happened. Everybody felt guilty because they didn't get a ton of work done. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, this was a global pandemic. Everyone felt like shit. Like, it's okay. Um, so that's another tough balance, too, that I'm I'll always fighting with is wanting to get as much work as I can done, wanting to put out good work. But also, as much as I love lettering, as much as I love comics, knowing it's not more important than my son or my health or mm -hmm. whatever else. And trying to keep all three of those things leveled out i wish there was a wax on wax off thing i could practice with but there's not a <laughs> it's true i mean it's like it's like, i think it's the biggest thing that we have to grow up as as fathers and as uh you know significant others to anybody to um to working as well as like it's a weird like me well, obviously my, my wife works as well and my son goes to uh, not daycare but my wife's aunt's house during the day is this balance of like I have to work harder to be able to make the money to support my family to then feed them. So I need to take off. Like it's just this whole roundabout thing that's not easy to do. And 
Uh, and you mentioned the the focusing is, I mean, obviously the past three years I've dealt with, I say obviously, a lot of us have dealt with depression and stuff like that over the past couple of years of the pandemic and other shit that's going on in the world is yeah. my work lacked when I tried to force myself to do something when I was tired or distracted or whatever. So like yeah. it makes more sense to take a rest and take some time away and go play Minecraft with your son for a second and reset so that when you go back, you can bust through some pages that you want to do that maybe would have slacked a little bit if you didn't, you know, take that time away from what you're doing. So there's this work uh, life. And my wife, I had my my yearly review at my uh, my day job uh, last week. And one of the things he talked about was like, you know, yes, obviously you're salaried for 40 hours a week. But if you get everything done in 35, we're not going to like be on you for the extra five hours. If it takes you 45 hours because you're slow that week. Again, you, you get paid for 40 hours. So right. like, there's just like, they, they trust that the process of the things are going to get done. So when I get them done, it doesn't really matter. So if there is a day where I wake up in the morning, I feel like shit and I just need to sleep another two hours to make sure my mind's right. And then I work until nine o'clock at night until instead of five o'clock at night, they don't care. So there's that thing is like, you just need to treat yourself well and have a good, if there is a time where you can get back to a schedule DC and like it's okay this is what's gonna happen then that's awesome but if if you have to work around it because of your son and all this other stuff yeah it's just the way it is that's the way it is it's like you know mental health is is a big thing nowadays and making sure you get things done and, and treat your the most important thing is obviously your son is very important but the most important thing is you can't help your son if unless you're helping yourself <laughs> yeah it's I had to I woke that up the other day thinking to myself I'm like I can't you know yeah. if I'm not healthy and I'm not happy and I'm not you know whatever my son's gonna take the brunt of it and it doesn't make any sense for someone like I care about or my wife or whatever. <laughs> it's really hard because we, I was talking about this with Austin last night too. Like this, these are industries that you don't apply to be comic yes. book work. Like you, there's not an application process. There's not like, you just hope you get selected. Like all of us are working so hard because we are passionate about these things. We love these things. We love creating things. Um, that especially once you get to a place where you're, you're doing it regularly or getting paid or whatever it is, you have to, at least in my experience, you have to then figure out, okay, I need to loosen my grip a little bit because for so many years, I've just been white knuckling, you know, trying to get everything as much as I can working hard. Okay. I'm, I'm there enough that I need to breathe now. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a hard habit to break for sure. And like you said earlier with the sleeping in thing with your, your mind already, that's usually what it is for me and having that extra time um, to be like, okay, I'm not gonna make myself feel like shit because I'm not doing this right now. I'm going to chill out. Um, I end up kind of pre-planning my next shift or whatever it's going to be, whether it's that yeah. later that day or the next day. Um, and I think that's a really important, I, I just got a thing um, from my desk the other day. That's like a literally just a daily task list. Uh, and part of that for me is actually writing it out. I mean, they've said studies prove blah, 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 whatever, which I'm yeah. sure is the case. Writing it out, I'm way more likely to get it done if I actually sit down, think about it, write it out, and then do it, as opposed to sitting at my desk and being like, oh, okay, I got to get this thing done. I got to do this thing. I knock those out. I'm like, all right, that's good for today. I'm in the living room playing Hogwarts Legacy, and yeah. then someone me on Twitter and it's like, Hey, do you have those pages? And I'm like, shit, I didn't get organized about this yeah. at all. I was looking only email. Like I just, so yeah, having a, having a clear head. And by the way, that hasn't happened recently. Cause Hogwarts legacy, just, I don't want any clients to be like, this is why this. <laughs> no, I, 
at Hogwarts. Legacy. You're like, no, I can play and letter at the same time. I am a multitasker. <laughs> so, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's just, it's, it's, it's. I've actually written things down before just to cross them off so that I know, like, I finished something and be like, that needs to go on the to do list as I finish the rest of the to do list, and then I can cross that first thing off. Be like conquered something for the day because there's days i mean i'm guarantee you there's days that you've started yeah. in the morning and finished at night and haven't really accomplished a lot but you've touched a lot of small things that yeah. has gotten things started and that's one of those those things that, I, that you know just and i also will say is taking a rest but also those things where i've said to my wife it's like been like at nine o'clock at night or ten o'clock at night we're getting ready to go to bed or whatever and i'm like i just have to finish this one thing because i won't be able to sleep unless I do finish this thing. So there is the other side of that where it's like, sometimes I just need to complete the process of something so that I can actually get a good night's sleep. And it seems weird that it feels like I'm overworking myself, but in the same sense that if I don't get a good enough night's sleep, then my next day is going to be crap as well. So like, sometimes there is a time where I'm just like, I've got to finish this and get it done. And honestly, I will say, and I wrote an article on, on mental health and comics is some of the best things I've ever done to get, to bed at night is to read a comic book because it escapes the world that I'm in and yeah. puts me into another universe or another fake world. And then it makes me think, okay, now I'm not going to go to bed thinking about the products that I need to finish. I'm going to think about burger board and, 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 and those, those kind of things are, I mean, some of the things I don't know if I should be reading before I go, I actually got nightmares after reading um, nail biter before I went to bed. I was like, yeah, it's probably not the best thing for me, but you know, whatever. But yeah, sometimes it is that escapism that comic books can can give you is is to me it was reading them, organizing them, yeah, making pull lists a ton to my LCS. Like those things to me make me escape the world of oh shit, I gotta pay rent. And that's amazing to me about what's what's awesome about comic books. And, and you know, and so maybe I'll maybe I'll try messaging Schmalky and be like, hey man, can you send me some some pages without any letters on it? Yeah. And and let me letter some pages for and <laughs> Uh, and if you if you want to need a second pair of eyes on there, let me know. Always happy to help. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So I mean, I'm guessing. I mean, how many products are you working on right now? If you could guess, like how many books are you working on right now at the moment? Uh, I got my Wait, computer. Um, for January, I did. Of course, I'm rainbow wheeling as soon as I drag on the yes. files. To... <laughs> It's somewhere between 15 and 30 books okay. a month, probably. Um, just depends. Uh, sometimes, uh, like right now, I'm lettering four different graphic novels that are coming in in chunks. Okay. So so hard to quantify sometimes yeah. because it's piecemeal. But um, yeah, Noctera, you've just wrapped up. Um, what else am I on? King Spawn, Scorched um there's an image book i just finished half of that's not announced yet that really excited about um amazing artist it's also the writer hopefully i'm not getting in trouble for saying that it's a it's a writer artist situation but it's awesome uh, working with them has been fantastic an artist that i i already really liked so i'm excited for that one to get announced every once in a while i google the name just to see if it's uh anywhere and it's still not so i know it hasn't been announced yet <laughs> um and then at dc what did i just do at dc i worked in the work on some of the stories in the christmas anthology man this is the worst whenever i go to cons uh i i have a note uh file on my phone that has any like blank spots of trades that i need in one section um 
And then the next section, uh, well, the first section is people I'm going to meet and what booth they're at or whatever to find them. Then it's the comics. And then the third one is literally a list of shit I've worked on recently. Because when people ask this question (laughs) every time, um, (laughs) that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, so you're you're busy and and you're staying busy and you're getting work still. People haven't said screw DC Hopkins. They say we want to work with DC Hopkins. That's good. Um, It's funny. Uh, do you? Um, I, I they asked Clayton this on that podcast too. Is what is your comp situation? Do you get one issue, one copy per issue, or do you get like a ton, like more than you can handle? Depends on the publisher. Okay. Um, it's usually more than you can handle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I have five boxes of Noctera comps in my trunk that have been there since Baltimore Comic Con that I just haven't brought in yet. Um, and and like. I don't know with that situation if that's an image thing. It's I think it's an image thing yeah. because I was on second chances and they did the same thing. They sent all these issues and then trades and I've got um I had a guy who reached out to me not too long ago because he had uh a Noctera number one signed by everyone except for the letter. He was like, I want to get the whole team. Um and I was like, Yeah, sure, send it. So he mailed it to me and um I was like, I've got I could tell he was a huge Noctera fan. He was like, I'm so excited for the special coming out next. But like, he knew what was happening and was actively in it. So I dug through my, my closet and I, I was like, Hey man, I'm throwing in this like Kickstarter exclusive thing. Looks expensive. I have no idea what it is. Like (laughs) just like stuff they've sent me or whatever. Um, so that's fun sometimes, but then it is nothing like a lot of times, um, like Sweeney Boo's newest graphic novel, um over my dead body i love working with sweeney i've worked on a couple of her projects now um i I, i'm assuming that one was because i was hired like subcontracted almost through her maybe but i Mm -hmm. bought a copy of it yesterday because i wanted to see it um but yeah it just it mostly depends on the publisher and then they have like a a specific amount i would imagine writers and artists get more yeah um but i don't really know what to do with them i used to anything that's all ages i i put aside and then it's happened a handful of times if i've gotten asked to come like talk to a school classroom or a library or something i'll just bring a stack and be like you guys can have these if you're interested whatever um but i don't know what to do with the rest i was actually excuse me talking with justin uh birch who you're gonna have on too long ago about that and like maybe one day i should table just like one time to be like look this is the past 10 years worth of comps I have if anybody like what's the like 75% off, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a cool, fun thing to have happen until there's way too many of them. And then you're yeah. like, Oh problem because they, they keep coming. Like, and so you're having to, it's the same problem that you have for comics that you buy. Only it's yeah. fine. These they're just sending you free comics. So, and some of them are jobs that you're like, cool, it's they paid the bills, but I really don't want this in my house. Any, I, I don't have room for this shit, but yeah, I can understand that completely. Well, like for me, I've done, I've had with authors on here before, like full on novel novelists, and they've sent me books to read. Yeah. And I'm like, I honestly don't read a physical book that often. A lot of times, I read most, I read comic books and I read, mm-hmm. I listen to audiobooks uh, of physical novels. And so sometimes I'm like, cool, it goes on the shelf. And it takes up room, but I've never actually cracked it. I probably had it holding it up so I can show them that I have the book. But like I literally purchased or through my Audible subscription, got your audio book. So if you're actually, it could save you money probably in shipping in the thing. If you just send me the MP3 file and then I can just put it on my phone and listen to it, that it is actually sending me an actual physical copy of it. But I feel 
like a lot of times when I have you like people like yourself on or like well, you know, I bought this first or oh, number one of, of we ride titans like i, I want to support the people too like it's not like having you on here is to help promote some things i'm obviously with a letter i'm not promoting a specific project of yours right now but like uh you know uh, alex hyde white who was mr fantastic on the unreleased fantastic four movie will be on yeah. uh, in a couple of weeks actually next next week uh to talk about his stuff and he's pitching his book so he has a book he wrote. So that's one of the things he wants to talk about. I just want to talk about the Fantastic Four. I don't know. This book is second to me. I'm sorry, Alex, but like, like <laughs> I want to talk about what happened with this Fantastic Four movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, I buy this stuff a lot of times too. Like you mentioned, like sometimes the comps are cool, but like, like yeah. uh, you know, supporting them also is, is is worth doing it. It's weird in the same sense that if you got paid fifty bucks to do a book and you paid fifty dollars for the book, it's like you didn't. <laughs> it's like you didn't actually have that make problem. Any money. Like all. Um... On most Kickstarters that I get hired to letter yeah. the book, they pledge like one or five dollars on. Yeah. Um, literally the same reason you said, just to be like, I'm supporting this. It's it's fun, but I always think about that to where I'm like, this is kind of five dollars. It's just maybe gonna get sent back to me, like because I'm gonna get paid for it. But it's just the spirit of it. Like yeah, yeah, I support it. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the next things that are coming out, and and uh, you know. DC, you do a great job. I, you know, I, I told people every time I get the people on the podcast, it's like I have the uh, the size of the comic book industry nowadays is so massive between publishers and creators and all these things that uh, there is an infinite. I could do an episode every day, an infinite yeah. number of guests that I could get on here, and I'm like, you know what? I have the ability to pick the people that I want to have on here, which is nice. No upper people are saying you need to get so-and-so because they're pitching this, that, and the other thing. And so a lot of times people will message us and be like, Hey, I'm, yeah, I've got a Kickstarter coming up and I'll like read their sample. And I'm like, Oh, maybe not. <laughs> Sorry. I, I can't sit here and talk positive about something that I'm not going to back myself. And so I, I do have, it's surprising when you go to look through your stuff to find what DC your name is on. <laughs> It's surprising sometimes you're like, oh shit, I've got a lot of stuff that DC Hines' yeah. name is on. Um, and the same thing with Justin Birch when I was like looking for stuff like that, because obviously it's a little bit harder to just search for that kind of stuff. Like a key comic, a key collector comics doesn't have a letterer section on it. So you can search by artist or writer, but you can't search by colorist or a letterer. And, and certain pages don't have that. Um, so, and if some of you guys have some of your portfolio on there, but you're not going to sit there and put every single thing that you've ever worked on, on there. Um, it was pretty funny. I was like looking through and I'm like, oh my God, Justin lettered this book. Oh my God. DC. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's good. I mean, I guess it's good. I mean, it didn't stand out being like, who the hell is this shitty letterer on here? I guess it was a good thing. You know, people don't say your name better than saying your name. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you have your website, right? You have a portfolio yeah. on there. Yeah, uh, hopkinsletters.com, um, which I didn't know until I made my bought my URL, but that's, um, uh, oh my gosh, I blanked on his name. Who's the the letter that wins every Eisner? Todd. Todd, what? The, he lettered Sandman. I can't remember his last name. Is that, that's sad, man. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Todd Klein? It's weird as he's, he is like considered to be like the best letter ever. Um, Todd and Klein. Todd Klein. Good Lord. I don't know why my, well, I'm yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, uh, anyway. So he, um, man, I got so embarrassed that I couldn't remember Todd Klein's name that I don't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> I tell you what, I think that Todd Klein needs a new website. Oh, that's what it was. Uh, isn't his website, uh, Kleinletters.com. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I didn't realize until I had made mine. I just was like Hopkins letters. That's simple. Yeah. And then Todd Klein's website, and I was like, son of a bitch. Everyone's gonna think I copied Todd Klein's uh, letter. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's kind of um, hard. What would you write? Co- Hopkins comic book letter dot com. <laughs> so uh, I guess you could have. I mean, it's dchopkins.com taken. I guess you could have done that, but everything. Um, oh, there is dchopkins.com is for Freedom Systems Center. There is a website. It's dchopkins.com. <laughs> I, yeah, sorry, what I get flagged on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, no, it's connected on there. So Twitter, Facebook, yeah, all that. All that stuff on there. So uh, check out, I said, I am personally going to recommend True Cult because I think that book's amazing. Uh, Liana is coming on as well in a, uh, March to talk as well. So that'd be that'd be awesome too. Uh, Dream Master's great. Anything from Jonathan, like I said, would be great too. Anything from Joseph Schmalky, but we we don't kill spiders is like, is going to be yeah. amazing. I guess he has now control back over that book as well too. So I don't know what the future of We Don't Kill Spiders is, uh, but <laughs> I know that uh, he has been working with scout in with some other things to try to get that stuff uh, he's got a new book coming out seven years in darkness over at cex so i don't know if that's where it's going to land or wherever but i i'm hoping we don't kill spiders continues at some point because i love that book i hope so too i have no idea what's going on uh with it at all i basically just let her stuff when he has it for me so mm-hmm. i haven't heard anything in a while but i knew there weren't new issues coming out yeah. so i figured it on a so hiatus we'll but we'll see what happens with that i don't know i don't know if count draco is going to do anything i don't we, we don't kill spiders it's like one of his like if he's going to move on and be known for things, it's going to be seven years in darkness, his new book and we don't kill spiders and electric black. I think it's the, this is a plan. Uh, everything else is obviously he did things on, but like, he's not going to like, I think murder hobo for a little while was going to be a big thing for him, but I don't think he's um, continuing okay. on with that. I'm trying to get him back on to come on seven years in darkness, but he'd be, uh, it'd be his third time on here. So I don't know if he wants to come on. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh incredibly sweet one of the nicest people i've ever met uh, honestly everyone in that true cult group that was um I, I know we're ending the podcast but to go back to the thing you talked about earlier in terms of like keeping everyone feeling included yeah. you only make better comics when you have a team that is is supporting each other that's it i mean and 99 percent of the time you see letters or colorists or whatever clam clamoring for like you know credit or cover credit yeah. or whatever it comes from a place of like we genuinely feel on these books we're part of the team and we're all working together making these comics uh true cult was a great example of that i mean we were constantly all talking to each other meeting up when we could they all were able to meet up at i think emerald city which i wasn't able to go um but video chats sometimes and just all all those uh, all the people on that book were were amazing and yeah Le- you'll have a great time with liana she's Ish. super cool sounds sound like it's very emphatic about very excited about coming on and stuff like that too so i'm I'm excited for that one too so um but yeah check out dc's website check them out on twitter instagram all that stuff uh continue your, your great work man i really appreciate you coming on and, and best of luck on on uh hogwarts legacy <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you